Hey everyone, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, in this episode, we're about ready to hit the Halloween stage of the fall, where little kiddos usually dress up with their superhero costumes and the like, but we're in COVID-19. <laughs> so things are a little different. I'm not even sure what it's going to look like. So we thought it would be fun to talk about superheroes as it relates to the Enneagram. Now, some of you would might love to hear us talk about different superheroes and their Enneagram type. Well, we're not going to do that. We actually crowdsource this information um, by asking what superheroes does each type resonate with? And it's all across the board. I'm, I'm not sure there was a single type that didn't resonate with uh, Captain America. America. Uh, a lot of women uh, shared that they resonate with Wonder Woman, no matter what their type was. But they resonated for different reasons. That's exactly right. And the reasons were what reveals our Enneagram types. But in this episode, we're going to talk about superheroes, superpowers, blind spots, and what we call mirror moments. These moments where they have to honestly confront a character flaw or a particular weakness related to their superpower so that they can begin to use it uh, and steward in special ways for the sake of others. Well, Jeff, let's go back in history <laughs> to about 1980 when you were in funny. kindergarten. And let's let everyone know, what was the costume sure. of your one of your first Halloweens ever? Well, you're, you're going to need to answer the same question. So what was your favorite superhero costume when you were growing up? Um, you, you gave me the googly eyes, the funny eyes. So I'm not sure if you even dressed up for Halloween. But for <laughs> me, at least... I came out in Halloween in a very strong way. Um, the first picture of me as a kid in a Halloween costume was uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss. Yep. <laughs> I remember seeing it and I was like, wait, what? Your parents let you dress up as Gene Simmons from Kiss with the tongue sticking out? You know, it's one of those moments whenever you're er married early on and your spouse comes down to the family home and looking through pictures, he's like, what were you, how, why did your parents let you dress up as Gene Simmons? I don't know, but I know in that plastic <laughs> mask and plastic <laughs> costume, I look freaking awesome yeah. and I was scary and big so whatever it was, I rocked it. Okay, well, mine that I remember as a little girl, I think I was about three or four. Wow. I was Raggedy Ann. <laughs> <laughs> Super scary. Well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, so fierce. 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 She just, yes. I, man, Raggedy Ann, I haven't heard that old. Oh. I know, like ever, right? Like I, I, I never hear about Raggedy Probably people Ann. who are listening to this are like, what is that? You're going to have to go look it up. That's right. Well, here's the thing, and, and why superheroes, why it's such an apt metaphor for us as we think about the Enneagram. And it's we first find this out when we find our types. There's the ahas of it and the uh of finding your type. Yep. And it's because we've just noticed, I mean, we've had close to 2 million people take our assessment. And so we hear a lot from them that they really sort of don't like their type. Mm -hmm. They quickly realize like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does come with those blind spots and weaknesses as well. 
Yeah, and I would say that's actually true for a lot of people. And in fact, a lot of teachers will say if you uh, you haven't found your type unless you've had that moment. Um, and I think the reason is, is that as humans on this side of heaven, we are very in tune with our weaknesses, our blind spots, our frailties, limitations. And it really is hard for us to see it, to recognize it, to own up to it at times. And here you've got, you know, a personality tool that really lays it out for you in all of its, you know, beautiful array of colors. Um, and it's just hard to see it so clearly. Um, but at the same time, what we also have to recognize is in order for us to grow, we have to see it. But it's not to wallow in it. It's not to have a pity party or to be martyr-like or a victim. But the more we're able to see where we are weak, where we need help, the more we can ask Christ to meet us there. The more we can surrender, the more we can depend on Him. And so, it's it, again, it's not to wallow in it. It's not to be uh, knee-deep in mire. It is so that we can look back to Christ. It's so that we can depend on Him. And that is so vital in our transformation and growth. Well, why don't we do this, Beth? Because uh, similar to superheroes, uh, we all have origin stories uh, with our type. We also have stories probably where you face certain obstacles or hardships as it relates to your type. And there are probably moments where either your parents or your friends or relatives, someone saw you and the gift that you bring to uh, your family, your relationships. And so it was very redemptive. And there's part of it now that maybe as a young adult or an older adult, that you're finding your type is actually a gift to your family. It's a gift to your children, your grandchildren, or maybe even your workplaces. So I just thought we'd take a moment just to share about what it's like kind of looking back on our own story and understanding how our type was showing up at a very early age. Mm -hmm. uh, Beth, why don't you share something about what it was like being a nine in your family? Yeah, so I am the youngest of two. My brother is four years older. And Mark actually had a very severe stuttering problem as a young kid uh, to the point where I think it was like when he was up at, even until first grade, it took him like a minute to even say a word. I mean, it was just really um, hard for him. It was hard on my parents. But kind of done such an amazing uh, job in Mark's life where right now it's not as big of an issue. And in fact, he's a professor of counseling at a seminary. And so, but back then in the day, it was really trying on my family, you know, for my parents, you know, they wanted the best for Mark. Um, and it was just, it was a, a huge trial. So as a nine, I didn't want to add any more to what was already happening. So I would just be the good girl, make things easy, not make problems, not make waves. So I think I played by myself a lot or just was easy and, uh, to parent, to be honest. Um, and I mean, on one side, that's really great, but I also kind of lost myself in that process. I didn't stand out. I didn't ask for much because they had a lot on their plate already. Well, one thing that I wanted to follow up with you, there was one story that I remember specifically, uh, and it relates to nines feeling the feelings of people around them. Uh, you sometimes tell the story of when uh, you were outside your brother's womb, room, not his womb, his room, while he was getting in trouble. Yes. So being four years older, of course, he paved the way, right? <laughs> um, but he would be in trouble for, I don't know, who knows what. And my parents would be in there talking to him, like all parents do. And, you know, instead of me being like, yeah, you deserve it. You know, you should get in trouble. I would be out on the stairs sitting there kind of eavesdropping and crying the entire time. And I told Mark that recently. He's like, really? You did that? Kind of like, 
why? You know, like I deserved whatever. And I, I just, I feel other people's thoughts or I think through their perspective and I knew Mark didn't want to be in trouble. And I, I didn't want there to be discord and I wanted us to all get along and be fine. And so it was just so heavy on my heart. (laughs) Just this little, probably five, six year old sitting on the stairs crying for my brother. So Jeff, what about you growing up? What are some of the things that you remember? Yeah. So not a lot of people know this about me, but, um, I, I was adopted at six months old, or I'm sorry, yeah, six months old. Um, it, it had taken my parents a couple of years. One of the reasons why they wanted to adopt was because my, of some illnesses that my mom had that prevented her from having children. Uh, those illnesses would continue on throughout her the rest of her life until she died in 2000, the same year that our daughter was born. Well, her illness really played a substantial role in my earlier years, and so I'm a type six. And there were a lot of seasons where mom would be sick for a week, go to the hospital for a week, and then return home uh, and recover for a week. And so while she was in the hospital, my dad would uh, kindly take me to a friend's house who were super hospitable. And then I'd uh, go back to sleep, wake up, and then go to school uh, with my friends or with my neighbors, and then come home and uh, dad would be there. Well, I, I early on in life just simply learned how to take care of myself. I, I remember making my dad and I meatloaf for dinner in the third grade. Uh, I remember doing my laundry. I remember uh, ironing my own clothes. There were just some things that I I grew up thinking were normal that actually weren't. And it wasn't until I married Beth that she looked back like, wow, you really had to grow up quickly. Well, although many might have thought, wow, he's a very industrious kid. He's learning how to take care of himself. Internally, I was really anxious. I was really scared because I, I, I didn't know how to address life. And there weren't a lot of people around to be able to help me to understand what decisions to make and to help me process some of the anxiety that was happening on internally within me. Well, the both things, these two dynamics of Beth growing up as a nine, me growing up as a six, they have played themselves out in adulthood. Um, one of the things that I think helps to make me the kind of executive pastor that I've been is because I carried a lot of weight. I carried the weight of the family and trying to just take care of things and take care of my own life. So I became a little street smart, a little scrappy to to make sure that life worked. But I always did it a little scared. Mm-hmm. Bethy, what do you think now as you think about your gift? Um, how does it present itself now as a gift to other people? Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like I can understand all sides of the personality. Uh, so, you know, whoever I'm around, I can understand them really quickly. And it's not just like I'm just trying to understand. It's like I, I literally can feel and understand. So I can bring a sense of compassion, grace, mercy, uh, being non-judgmental, receptive, and a very warm place for people to talk and to express themselves honestly, where maybe other people, they don't feel like they can with other people. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom? From your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts 
to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Well, one of the biggest and most often uh, stated affirmations, endorsement reviews that people leave for our podcast and other courses is your gentle and hospitable voice. Uh, your, your nine, I mean, even as a platform, your Enneagram coach, you know, sometimes people can use the Enneagram in kind of these cutting stereotypical jabbing kind of ways. And, and really it comes from Beth that as a value, we want to name the redemptive qualities of each type to remind them of the truth of the gospel. We recognize we're already hold our gifts with contempt. Maybe we were not comfortable with our type. We want to be another type. We compare ourselves to other type. We wish we were another type. And Beth's always had this commitment that God has uniquely designed each Enneagram type. And there's all kinds of limiting beliefs and contemptuous beliefs. Let's be a platform that reminds people that God uniquely crafted them. Yeah. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier is that we are sinners. We do make mistakes. We have weaknesses and frailties. And if we're not willing to look at those squarely and we try to sweep them on the rug, which us nines are <laughs> really good at, it only will come back to actually harm us and others. What I've understood from the gospel is that by me looking squarely at what my heart can do or does do, and then um, apologizing, asking for forgiveness, from Christ and those that I might have harmed, there's real freedom because the freedom has already been won for me through Christ. And so by looking at it and then instantly reminding myself of who I am in Christ and I'm his most beloved, already cared for, already forgiven, already provided for, it enables us to let loose those constraints, those weaknesses, those blind spots, and trust him leaning into the gifts that he has given us. Two ideas to bring this out in the scriptures. Um, one of them is from a dear friend of mine, uh, Keith Tenpenny. He's one of our endorsed coaches. So if you know Keith, and uh, be sure to tell him that I gave him a shout out so I can get some <laughs> cool friend points. But I remember one time as Keith and I were talking about our experience of the theological tradition that we've been in, um, is that he made this great statement. He said, the Bible begins in Genesis 1, not Genesis 3. Right. Meaning, oftentimes for Christians, we start with, for we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, rather than starting with, we've been made in the image of God. And when God made us, he was very happy. And it was good. And it was good. That's right. And this even uh, is uh, picked up on in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, whenever the apostle Paul is talking about the thorn in his side, that he pleaded multiple times that the Lord would remove that thorn from his side, but only only in the same way that da David did in the Psalms, where he was, he had a belief, he was reoriented, reoriented in focused prayer, centrally prayer, or centrally focused on the person of God and His work in His life. Reoriented to realize that His thorn 
was actually a gift, and that in his weakness, he is made strong by faith. And so our gifts aren't simply given to us just to go out and do whatever we want, that when we do exercise them, we have to exercise them by faith, working itself out in love that brings glory to God and joy to people and to ourselves as we live out those gifts. Absolutely. Well, so what we're going to do now is that we're going to dive into walking through the nine types. We're going to address the superpower for each type. We're going to talk about the blind spot or the weakness, the thorn that comes along with it. And then also the mirror moment. The And the mirror moment is simply this idea of it's when the superheroes come to this uh, decision that they have to make. They see the negative consequences when they use their gifts in ignoble ways rather than noble ways, whenever they've used it for selfish motivations versus uh, loving their neighbor. And so we're going to talk about those mirror moments and how each type has these moments in their lives for really it's their invitations to be able to trust the truth of the gospel and to realign their hearts. Because the reality is this, we are all trophies of God's grace. And one day we will gather from every tongue, tribe, and nation and worship with God. And because what, because what, what he has done in and through our lives, but he is the hero in the Bible. We're not, but we do have the joy of participating in his gospel movement to extend the gospel of God's grace to all nations. And there's no one type that's better than the other. It's not like someone has a better superpower or a bigger blind spot. We're all created in the image of God, and He has given us the body of Christ to support one another. And so as we go through all of these and we kind of land on your type, please see the beauty of the superpower. And don't be so thrown off by your blind spot. Bring it back to Christ so that you can have that aha moment of leaning in with faith, trusting the Holy Spirit to use your superpower in ways that will glorify Him, bless others, and give you the abundant life that He offers you. Great. So, Bethy, let's dive in with type nine. Yeah, and we're going to actually start with type nine and work our way backwards um, along with the uh, Instagram series that we're going to do during this period of time. And so that will help us to kind of go through it. Plus, it's actually kind of fun to change it up a little. Our nines sometimes are like, why am I always the last one? So we're going to start with the type nines. And so we're going to go nine, eight. We're yes. going to go backwards we're through go all backwards. of this. Yes, between this episode and the next one. Well, fantastic. So, Bethy, why don't we start off with type nine? All right. So type nines, we're up first. Um, so type nines, we have a superpower that God has given us. And that superpower is that we are thoughtful, we're reassuring, we're receptive and easygoing. We look for harmony in the world and we see and value all perspectives. It's as if we can see through the lens of all nine types. And so during difficult times, we are that much needed mediator because we bring peace and comfort to others. But a blind spot that we might have is that when we try to achieve this peace, it can actually be false harmony because we can tend to go along to get along by numbing our true feelings and desires, believing that our presence really doesn't matter. We quiet our voice. We quiet who we are and we repress that. And then we just try to look to the others to look outside ourselves and to lift them up while pushing ourselves down. Inevitably, we might get frustrated, and occasionally we will have bursts of anger, frustration, and irritability. And that mix with passivity can cause this tension in relationships that actually brings more conflict than the peace that we actually are gifted to bring. You know, it's in these moments that we 
we're calling a mirror moment, that whenever the type nine, when all seems lost, that they are reminded that Christ has seen them and that they've been given a voice that matters to all of their relationships and for themselves. So they have to make a choice. They have to make a choice whether they're going to lose their sense of identity, to lose their sense of personhood for the sake of others and at the loss of themselves, or by faith and pressing in, are they going to wake up to show up in life and to bless others with their full presence? Now, that's going to mean facing tension. That's going to mean facing uh, disappointment. But by living your life and not blending into others, you offer the world a quiet strength, uh, an encouragement, patience, and a steadfast spirit, bringing forth true peace, the kind of peace that brings reconciliation, the tr- kind of peace that brings about faith in all that our Father is for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And Jeff, as you're kind of saying that, as a nine myself, in some ways I cringe like, no, I don't want to have to show up that way. I don't want to have to move into that mirror moment. I just want it to to easily happen. But that's the actual challenge. The challenge is trusting God for big things. You know, the nine just wants to kind of go along to get along, make this easy. And yet God is actually calling us to see our value, not in an arrogant way, but in confidence in who he has created us to be and to step forth with that confidence to bring others together and to really to plow a peaceful path for others. You know, as you say that, Bethy, I think one of the things that I want to remind our listeners of is these are opportunities for you to glean some insights and in how to affirm your your friends or your family members of different types. When a type nine is showing up and learning how to use their superpower, their strength, it's going to look messy at first. It's not going to look like the same for each and every number. It's going to look differently. And so you're going to have an opportunity to affirm and create space for someone to express this new part of who they are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great. Let's jump into type eight. All right. So eights, your superpower is that God is giving you the ability to have self-confidence, to be intense, to actually be confrontational. And I know like us and Angelique, wait, what? That's a superpower. Yes. There are times that people need to step in the gap and to be confrontational when it is needed. You also are big hearted. You're passionate for others. And when there are underdogs or underprivileged or people that are experiencing injustice, you have the ability to plow a path for them, to give them the ability to shine, to make sure that justice wins. And during those difficult times, you are decisive and assertive in your leadership style, which brings a certain sense of power and force of good. But the flip side can be the blind spot. And in the blind spot, you might be fearing weakness and vulnerability and joined with your intensity and desire for control. What can happen is that this can cause you to be too blunt, too aggressive, impatient with others, and people that might pull away from you. And what can happen in this very moment is that you start to feel betrayed. You feel like people are forsaking you, turning away from you, and you can assume that others are now against you. And this can cause a certain anger to arise, vengeance, plowing a path for yourself, and that can harm others. There's this great quote that Beth and I uh, have come to resonate with, that the, the cave you fear holds the treasure that you seek. And here, when all seems lost for you, type eight, when you're facing uh, inevitable betrayal, when you have simply run over the people around you, 
You can be reminded that Christ has never betrayed nor forsake you and that he is your shield and your protector, that you don't need to focus on protecting yourself or gathering and hoarding your own resources because he's already the one who is providing for you. And it allows you to be vulnerable, to reveal that tender heart that's behind that uh, breastplate of steel, which reconnects you to yourself and to others. You become a leader who can also yield to others. You can be the ultimate team player, the ultimate leader. Your courage, energy, and intuition help plow a path for greater good. Yeah. I mean, when I think of eights, you know, on our team, Jeff, we've got several eights on our team. Man, the superpowers that they bring to our team, they help me to have the confidence that a nine needs to have. They they remind me that my presence matters. They build me up with that strength and that intensity and that passion. And it is um, infectious. And so eights, you guys have such a beautiful superpower. And when you have that mirror moment and to be vulnerable, things absolutely change around you for the good. All right, well, let's jump into type sevens. Sevens, your superpower is that you bring a huge amount of joy, optimism. You bring an infectious uh, enthusiasm that others can't help but join with you. You have an endless uh, amount of ideas and possibilities. You love to think of the what can happen, innovations that are around you. And during difficult times, you're the ones that help keep the morale up. You're the ones that point our minds back into what is rich, what is good, what's possible to have an adventurous spirit and to have the mindset that we can work around any problem. But you also might have blind spots, right? And this is where you want to avoid negativity at all costs, being trapped in emotional pain. You seek constant adventure, happiness, and the stimulation of experiences. You become an escapist, which means you actually can't enjoy the present moment. You feel unsatisfied, always looking for what can bring satisfaction. But the thing is that you're missing the real satisfaction that is actually right before you. And so you might become flighty, worried, and missing out on what is actually around you. So it's in these moments where type sevens will experience their mirror moment. It's when they feel trapped, when they feel like there's no other idea, there's no way of getting out, out of it. And so they're going to have to face some of the, what they perceive to be these negative circumstances. And when all seems lost for the type seven, they can be reminded that Christ fulfills your needs. You can be satisfied and content even in this very dark moment. And practicing solitude can help you to face with the feelings that maybe you've been avoiding. And you walk through both the highs and the lows of life. Grounded and grateful, you are the reliable team member, the supportive family member, the encouraging spouse, and the source of joy to the, all of those around you, the source of encouragement and strength. You know, Jeff, when I think about sevens, the first one that comes to my mind is my dad. My dad being a seven with a very strong six wing, but these are so true, you know, of my dad, the, this infectious enthusiasm and joy, but also wanting to avoid those hard spots. But what I've seen in my dad as he has grown throughout his life is his ability to be still his ability to see the blessings around him and to have a grateful heart 
and most importantly, to savor the moment. The more I see my dad doing that, the more real joy comes forth from him, real steady joy, grounded joy that truly blesses all of us around him. Beth and I both hope that you guys have been enjoying this time of learning about the superpower of blind spots and mirror moments for each Enneagram type. In the next episode, we're going to cover type six through type one. One thing that we wanted to leave you with was a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a passage where Paul is explaining his own kind of mirror moment where he's come to his end and he's reached out to God regarding a burden that he is carrying. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, Paul says this, he says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's interesting about being each of our Enneagram types is that we bring both a gift and a burden, a superpower and a blind spot. There will never be a moment, a breath in which we do not need the saving, sacrificial, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. And that applies even to our gifting, that these gifts, these grace gifts that we've been given by the Holy Spirit now need to be exercised in faith. We need to steward these gifts in a way that brings honor to God and also honors those and loves those around us. And when we do, we actually see it in the lives of others. And we get to experience it ourselves. And so, like Jeff, you said, we have to lean into this with faith. This isn't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. This is literally coming to the Holy Spirit and saying, will you work in and through me the gifts that you've already granted me? And he will do that good work. Well, thank you so much for joining us in this particular episode. Don't forget next week, we're going to be covering the remaining types of six through one regarding their superpowers, blind spots, and the opportunity growth for them. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys. Bye-bye.